We're all going to hell. And it's not because of the Greek. Oh no. Hades. Today on. Mm-mm. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> don't you start. I don't think I got it right. The spirit was there, and the effect was <laughs> the still lip there. smack. Now Paul's just just nodding, like yes, yes. <laughs> Tormenting Jake, that's what I get. Welcome everybody to another episode of Press B to Cancel, the best damn podcast you can listen to until I don't know Retro Nuts. They come out tomorrow. We can't compete with them, but we got a great episode lined up this week. I'm here joined by Werewolf. How's it going, sir? It goes all right. Going pretty good, actually. Well, it's good. It's always good on a Friday, which is when we record. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about a game that I've been surprisingly into for the last month or so, and that's Hades. But I find it interesting because one of the reasons I really want to do this episode is the Game Awards are coming up. Uh, actually, when you listen to this episode... I believe they'll be the week after or the week before. So they're coming up soon. That's the Jeff Keighley uh, award show he's been doing for years now. And then in the nominations, there's a lot of Hades. Oh, really? <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. Like uh, Game of the Year is, it's like Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, and Hades. It, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my mind palace says this game initially released in <laughs> December 2018. Well, so it started in early access in 2018. So, but it just released officially this year. That's so. That's the thing. That's the catch. Oh, uh, okay. And like, gotcha. it's interesting because when it first got announced, like, I'm a big fan. So, the Hades is made by a company called Supergiant Games, and they're probably most notable noted for Bastion and Transistor, which are fantastic games in their own right. Yes, I've played a chunk of Bastion. Um, I was playing it. Shortly after it came out on the 360, actually, and I was super into it, but since like seeing as so much of the story is derived from the narrator, there were two problems. One, my wife and I were sharing one TV at the time. We only had one TV in the house, and so it was, for a lot of games, we'd do the picture-in-picture thing. I'd play a game, she'd be watching Grey's Anatomy or some nonsense, and with that one, it didn't really work, and she hated the narrator. So, really, yep, I don't get it. But she just couldn't stand the guy. Oh, I used to love it. He got he has a great voice, and just the the tone of all the narration, I thought was fantastic. I love that. So I I eventually bought it on Steam and haven't played through it. And I think I also bought Transistor and haven't even opened it because I do that. <laughs> hey, you're not the only one. <laughs> All those games locked in a vault just sitting there happily awaiting their turn while the companies are like, hey, money for nothing. Chicks for free. Well, I think out of the four of us, you and I are probably the worst with buying games we don't play. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, So, and, and this is why this is a good episode to do with you. Um, there's another episode we should be doing in the next little while, and that's probably for Spiritfarer, because I've been watching you play that, and it looks fantastic. I definitely have some thoughts on that one, and... It's it's interesting for sure. 
But like, I love it because, I mean, 2020 being what it's been, it's been hard for a lot of things. But then it's also been a console release year. So it really kind of feels like the games that have come out this year have not been as stellar as in previous years. It feels like the games are lacking. Uh, not to say there's been no good games this year. There certainly has been. But I mean, going back to the Game Awards, when you look at the top of that's there, like Ghost of Tsushima looks like an okay game. I, I don't know if it's game of the year. I heard a lot of hype about that before it released and then very little after. Right. And that's a thing. So... I mean, that's not really what you want. You also don't want a, a boom of, this game's garbage, which I also didn't hear. <laughs> but when there's a ton of hype before a game comes out and then crickets after release, that's not the best. And like, yeah, and that's to say it's not a, it's not a bad game. I mean, if what I've seen of it looks okay. But just game of the year, I just don't think of that. I mean, the other ones I think was Animal Crossing, which we all know my take on Animal Crossing, and I get it. I can see that being game of the year for some people, but it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. The the game awards it's all like the same four or five games across the board, which is I feel there's more that came out this year, but maybe I'm wrong. It's been a weird year for releases because I I think triple A's haven't been the the top of the the top of the heap this year. Really. Well, they had problems adapting to. Working from home, I think, is what it is. Like Nintendo is probably the biggest example. Uh, Mario Maker Two, from what basically the rumors are, is they cut the Mario USA content from it, and that's why it's only a power up instead of a whole tile set. And you know, there's a few things like the DLC for Smash has been delayed. Uh, Mario Three D All Stars oh. probably would have had Galaxy Two had they been in an office. And and it's not just Nintendo. Cyberpunk also pushed back, right? And that's something. Had it released, I think this month is what it originally was going to. Uh, now it's December. Uh, had it released, that would probably be in the Game Awards. So there's a few of the AAA games that were slated to come out this year and are pushed back, and they're not releasing. Like Halo is probably the huge one. Like the Xbox, you know, whatever it's called, is launching with no Halo. That's insane, but I see why. So, you know, big companies are lacking. But indies have had, I think, a good year, right? We've had Rogue Legacy 2, Splunky came out, uh, Spiritfarer is really good, and then, you know, Hades, which is a fantastic game. Streets of Rage 4 I liked. It didn't get a ton of coverage, but I, there's really just been a... F I, 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 I hesitate to say there's been a flurry of independent releases this year because there's just... like It's every year. If you look at what's new on Steam on a daily basis, there's like 40 things. But... I feel like this year the there have been more indies with successful releases than usual. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's because there's less of a competition from AAA titles, right? Plus the price is right on a lot of indies. I, I was just actually that that's funny that you say that cuz I was just thinking Genshin Impact. Right, free. <laughs> how how right can the price get aside from free, you know? Is that indie or is that a team how big is the team behind that one? Uh, I don't know, but I never heard of the development. Apparently, they've made other games, but it's the first game of theirs I've heard of that I, oh, at least that I heard of them. Yeah, I know. I know they got overhyped a lot because of the the Breath of the Wild comparisons early on. Although, haven't played it recently, it's nothing like Breath of the Wild, but it's not bad. It it has enough similarities to where I get it. It's it's a Breath of the Wild JRPG. That's basically what it is. 
It throws experience in the mix. It makes things a little bit more linear, despite being a big open world. It has JRPG elements heavily applied to the Breath of the Wild archetype. Do you think it's worth putting more time into it then? Because I've been on the fence about it. Like I, I could see us doing an episode on it, but I need to know if I should put more time into it. I think so. At around rank, adventure rank six or seven, and I know, tangents, that's what we do. Us? Never. I was not thinking I was be, I would be interested in sticking with it. And then once I got to uh, above adventure rank 10, now I'm at 17, I think, 16 or 17. And I'm really digging on it. And okay. I opted for the $5 a month sub thing, but I did it through my google play credit that i just have a stack of from answering surveys oh so you actually put money into it that was the other thing too with that game all right i didn't have to i have google play credit so it's <laughs> that's how they got you in the gacha game yeah i and i think i also had a coupon so it was even less of my credit so i was like whatever sure why not i'll give it a month see if i like it still uh, it's just wild though like with all the the games that are out that are not triple a titles they're doing well and, par- and part of that too i think is game pass with that xbox been doing when i signed up for that uh, for the streets of rage episode the try four i didn't realize how much was on there like i've been playing celeste a little bit too because of that and that's another great indie title but anyway that's not what we're talking about we're talking about super giant games hades um which is i'm pleasantly surprised is good uh as much as i love bastion and transistor was great too they kind of slipped a little bit with Pyre, which is an early release, uh, which didn't get quite as good of press when that came out. So when they announced Hades was coming in early access, I kind of just wanted to shut it out of my memory. No memory palace for Hades. I wanted to go in fresh when it finally released. Um, well, because like, I regret <laughs> buying Dead Cells in early access because I played it in early access and I love it. But when it finally released, I haven't touched it. <laughs> And it's hard to go back to it, right? <laughs> so I didn't want that experience with Hades. So I waited till it came out. And it came out this year. And it was also only 20 bucks American. And I, I like I figured, okay, 20 bucks indie title. It's probably a few hours long. That's that's okay. That's worth it. Little did I know, I would end up dumping 70 hours into the game. And as, try, as hard as I might, I am still not done yet. I cannot beat the last boss, which is insane to me. So I have, like <laughs> 70 hours for 20 bucks. Right of the gate, this game is is awesome, right? Your value for money is there. So this is a roguelite, yes? Yeah, you know what? We did a whole roguelike versus roguelites, and I maybe you can tell me what the difference is for this one, because I, I can't remember. <laughs> roguelike is turn-based. It, it's a very strict rule set in how the game plays, where it's you and all the enemies take a turn uh. at the same time, and... You know, you generally move in squares. Right. So then this one then is a, a roguelike, I guess, right? And that it's not turn-based, it's live action. Um, it's like a overhead three-quarters view. Uh, I guess isometric, I guess you could say. But it's action-based combat. Yeah, that's what the art style looked like to me. Um, I hate to say it, while the art looks pretty, the aesthetic they went with kind of throws me in another direction, not being interested in the game, which I know that sounds superficial as hell, but sometimes an art style just doesn't grab me. And honestly, I can say the same thing about Children of Morta, which I played through its entirety earlier this year. I loved the game, did not so much 
enjoy the art style as much as I thought it was still very pretty and appreciated the pixel art style and all that and what they did. The animation was great. It just wasn't a style that was like, yeah, I like this, but I can see why people would. Well, okay, then we can start with the graphics of Hades, right, for the, the aesthetic. So it's based on Greek mythology. I mean, they certainly mm-hmm. take liberal use <laughs> of the setting, but it's based on Greek mythology. And all the characters in the game that you meet are underworld characters like Hades, Cerberus, Nyx, but then also a lot of Greek gods, right? Um, Aphrodite and Hermes and Zeus, they're all characters. All the all the gods and all the characters, um, it's a hand-drawn style, you're right. At first glance, I didn't care for it either, but it kind of grows on you, right? Uh, the, when you're having dialogue for all the various characters, there's no animations on the characters, which is what I was found was disappointing. But all the dialogue is voiced, right? So it kind of brings oh, wow. the character that way. And there's something like 20,000 lines of dialogue in this game, all recorded. Oh my! Um, it's insane. So the style kind of grows on you. But what I really like, though, is the character design... It's very, it's very diverse, right? You know, the thing with Greek mythology or Greek, you know, Greek history, it wasn't all white people, man. <laughs> like back then, it was a, a, <laughs> there's a lot of diversity, right? From all colors and races and peoples. But you don't really see that with games that take place in that period, usually, or in movies and film. But in this, you have it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very diverse cast of characters. All the gods are multicultural. It's interesting. I like it a lot. Um, and the style kind of kind of grows on you. But a lot of the... The style is more in the music, the atmosphere, and the dialogue, and less so the graphics. But it, it's serviceable. Mm. Um, the combat itself, when you're when you're attacking with the various weapons, is very fluid. Uh, all the all the characters, the creatures are very, I think, diverse and unique. They don't do things like I'm trying to think of palette swapping. Oh, there's a couple instances where they do, but for the most part, the monsters you fight are different, right? With a few exceptions, and there's there's a fair amount of range with them. Um, like overall, I think the graphic style is, is is definitely a style I take. It reminds me, I think, what Pyre had a similar style and how they do the characters. But I mean, I, overall, I think it's fine. Yeah, it it looks kind of like that to me. And that was another one. I I wasn't a fan of the art style for that one either. Yeah, and that and that's fair. whereas I I loved what Bastion looked like. I loved what Transistor looked like. The art style alone was one of the things that made me want to try and play that one. Yeah, Transistor was was also very solid. I don't want to say better. It's different, different style, but definitely I love, I love that one a lot. Yeah, I I <laughs> I don't like to say that an art style is bad if it's like if you can still look at it and say, "Okay, that looks really pretty, it's just not for me." Right, exactly. Obviously, it's <laughs> there's a big difference between I'm trying to think of something. I don't know. Picasso and Monet. Okay. You know, they're they're drastically different. And some people will argue that one's ugly and some people will argue the other's ugly and whatever, to each his own. But they're both very well-respected artists and, you know, they have a catalog of artwork that is used for reference and everything all to, to this day. And, like, just different styles. They're very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> That's basically where I'm going with this. It's like comparing the Pokemon cartoon to <laughs> the Detective Pikachu movie. <laughs> they both work. Just if you grew up with the cartoon, the movie looks a little weird. Well, <laughs> Hades is no Pokemon. I'll say that. <laughs> Although there are monsters. Gotta slay them all. 
It's true. All right. Okay, so how many are is there multiple playable characters or are you always the same? No, so you're you're always playing you're playing Zycharis, uh basically who and you're the son of of the god Hades. Hades is the underworld god. He runs it. And you're Well, his, he's a schmoozer. Right. And he's like your spoiled brat <laughs> child, Isagoras, is essentially what Hades thinks of you. So they kind of take the Greek gods, and when I said they get liberal with it, they get kind of move into the, yes, they're gods, but they're kind of a dysfunctional family type of vibe, right? Zagoras essentially oh. finds out who his mother is, and that the person who raised him is not his birth mother. So he wants to find out more about his birth mother. And his dad's like... No, you're to stay here. You're going to work in the office. You're going to push numbers and collect souls, and that's what you're going to do. And he's like, no, Dad. I'm going to leave. I'm going to escape. And then Hades is like, you just try. And that's that's the game loop, really. <laughs> Zagreus is basically trying to escape oh, wow. hell to get away from his father, to get out on his own, find his real mother. And that's the loop. So is the idea, like, you try to escape, you fail? You start over? Exactly. You try right? again? Every, you go out into hell, and there's a few different environments you go through. And then when you die, the game fades to black. You emerge from a pool of blood. And then I think his name is Hypno. He says, oh, you're back again. And he tells you who slayed you, makes fun of you. <laughs> then you walk up to the, the, the end of the <laughs> hall. Your dad, Hades, is sitting behind a giant desk. He looks up at you, also insults you <laughs> for trying to escape. And, and then you die. And then you kind of just talk to the NPCs in in the uh, underworld area. It's like a it's like a central hub, right? There's an inn. There's a the vendor, uh, kind of. You know, there's a few different characters you can talk to uh, and get upgrades with. And they kind of get the information, and then you go out to hell and try again, and that's kind of the loop. But there is story, and that was kind of surprising because I didn't really expect a game like this to have a lot of plot. I really don't need plot in a roguelike. Right, because by definition, you there's looping. You, you you usually have quick runs. You die. You start all over again. But this does have plot, but it's mostly told through the way of the characters you meet, which is is kind of done in a neat way. So like any roguelike, when you start a run fresh, every room you get some kind of boon, right? That could be materials, right? Uh, keys and and darkness, which is basically an upgrade points, money all that kind of stuff, or more importantly, uh, boons from the gods. You'll get, uh, there's, I'm trying to remember how gods there are. There's, there's quite a few, like six to eight of them. And they'll be their symbol in the room after you kill, kill all the enemies, there's a symbol drops, and it's a god. Zagreus reaches out to them to contact them. The god gives them a choice of one of three randomly generated powers. There's like a list of powers hmm. for each god. But you get a dialogue when that happens, and that's where the story comes in. Interesting. And I'm guessing the dialogue just lays over the gameplay and doesn't stop the game in its tracks for a moment. Well, it's only brief. You only get like a couple lines from the god when you're getting a boon. But because you're getting dialogue every other room, for the most part, from a god, it kind of keeps you going. So it never feels drawn out. There's no dialogue trees or anything like that. It's just literally Zagreus grabs the boon, gets a few words of dialogue, and then you kind of proceed. But the characters are really neat how they do it. Hermes and Aphrodite are kind of standard, but Dionysus? I'm so bad with names. Dionysus? <laughs> yes, him. He's kind of done as frat college bro. <laughs> type of oh thing. my God. Right? So it's like, hey, Zag. Blah, blah, blah. Can't wait till you get out of hell and we can meet up, you know, hit the bar scene type of thing. They do it in a good way, but he's kind of that angle. And he's the god of wine, right? 
and yeah. all his powers. <laughs> so he's the one who actually gives you uh, bonuses or abilities that enhance poison damage. But they don't call it poison. They call it hangover damage because he's the god of wine. Mm. So it's kind of stuff like that. Uh, Poseidon, obviously, you know, all the water powers. But his character, his dialogue, his manner is more like that cool uncle <laughs> type of thing. Right? Don't want to piss off your dad, but hey, when you get out of hell, we're going to go and do this. Right? There's a lot <laughs> of that kind of thing. So they, they really make the, the gods really unique in how they interact. But I really like how every so often you have a chance of getting a room that has two boons from a god. What, two gods. And you have to pick one. And you, whatever one you pick, the other god comes back with dialogue, basically all upset at you and raging. And then they'd put a challenge into the room of some kind. So if you have like, um, like say like, uh, who was it? Aphrodite and and Zeus, for example. I don't know. I can't remember the pairings. You pick Zeus. So Aphrodite comes back all hurt. Normally she's a flirty character. She comes back all hurt, throws a bunch of mobs in the room, and then starts dropping these AoEs of charm and stun. And you have to dodge the stun charms from her while you're fighting the enemies in the room. And if you manage to pull it off, you get another boon from Aphrodite. So the, the duo rooms give you a little bit more interaction with those god characters, and it's done really well. <laughs> and they also show them as all fragile and jellies. Yes. Well, they're all petty, right? They're gods, right? And <laughs> yeah. dysfunctional family at that. So they're always infighting mm. and poking fun at each other, and it's it's done. Why'd you pick them over me? <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, Zagreus, I thought you better of you. I thought you were on my side. How could you side with Ares? It's just, it's really, it's fun in a, in a cool way. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is I should get this and play it on Thanksgiving to make up the fact <laughs> that my family's a thousand miles away. All I'm saying, if Zagreus was on Facebook, <laughs> he would be blocking his dad for sure. It's 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 pretty funny. It, it, it's I love it like that too. But it, more than that too, the Underworld characters, there's um, the first boss uh, basically is, um, they're called Furies. I don't know the whole Greek mythology. My history is lacking with Greek stuff, but... There's a few Furies, and the main one, uh, Megara, is uh, at first you fight her, and, and you know you beat her, or she kills you, whatever. You're both immortal, end of the day. So, But when you end your run, and you die, and you come back to the main hub, she's in the bar sometimes. And it turns out they have a history. Zagoras and Megara were dating at some point in the past. And they have that ex-boyfriend-girlfriend vibe going on, and they fight a bit. Mm. And it's like every time you meet them on a future playthrough... The dialogue changes. Like, there's very little repeating dialogue. So every time you come up against Megara, she has a new quip, and Zagros has a new response. And basically, they're like the ex-relationship vibe, even though she's a boss encounter. And it's really interesting. Wow. Uh, and then, like, it, it changes as you go. One of, the, one of the neat things in the game is there's... It is a roguelike, so normally when you end a run, you reset. But you, there's a currencies that you keep. One of them is... Um, I think it's Ambrosia, or is it... Nectar. It's nectar. Um, you can use that to upgrade other currencies, or you can actually give it to the various NPCs and the gods you find in the game. And when you do that, you get more dialogue. You also increase your reputation or your relationship with them. And that does give you items later, but in the beginning, it mostly gives you uh, additional dialogue, basically, and fleshing things out. So it changes things up. There's gotcha. more story and plot in the game than I think it deserves for a $20 price tag. <laughs> like, it's it's pretty good value there. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot, a lot of character in the game. So this game 
I was going to ask um, about some of the mechanics. Yes. This, so this game has permanent upgrades to your character? So there are. So, well, here. So let me explain the base, base mechanics here. Overhead view, hack and slash game. Because he, here's what I'm thinking. There's there's generally two camps. There can technically be a third if you want. There's pure roguelites where every run has, you know, the same pool of items. You can always just get whatever. There's more like Isaac where the pool of items is expanded by accomplishing certain, certain things and expanding the way a run can unfold. And then there's stuff more like Undermine and Rogue Legacy where you get permanent upgrades as well as expanding what you can find out in the world. So what, which one does Hades fall into? Is it permanent upgrades? It's kind of a mix of Isaac and, and Rogue Legacy in that the boons you get from the gods, early on you only have the same pool of gods, but you unlock a few other ones later on. Or you know, I don't know if it's unlock... In the strictest sense, you don't know that you've done it. It's kind of like the game tries to slowly bring in new mechanics over the first few runs. You, you do unlock a couple of things. And at the core, it's the same three abilities for the most part. It's light attack, medium, medium attack, and a spell. And the gods that you encounter unlock abilities for those three categories of attacks that only happen for that run. After you die, that resets. But there's a currency okay. called darkness you pick up. And there's a mirror in your bed in Zagreus's bedroom, and that lets you unlock other abilities, mostly stat-based. Things like you can unlock um, do X percent damage when you're attacking enemies from behind or undamaged enemies. Um, things that will increase the chance of rare, better boons from gods during a run. Increase the amount of coins you get in a run. That kind of thing. There's also early on the death mechanic is pretty harsh. You run out of life, you die, you start to run over again. You eventually get items and abilities from the mirror that let you give you chances to die once per room. And if you die more than once per room, then you reset your run. So in the beginning, it, it kind of feels very punishing. But when you unlock certain abilities, it gets easier to survive longer in the game. And that's all from the, the persistence of it. Gotcha. Um, so that, that is done fairly well. Because that's my that's my kind of roguelike, right? I, I like roguelikes. I don't mind the run loop of these games, but when you lose everything, it can be very, it can be very off-putting. I think. I will say that, uh, yeah, depending on the type of game, I'm completely there with you. Like with Isaac, if I lose a run, I have absolutely zero hard feelings one way or the other. I'm like, well, that was a stupid way to die. Yeah. In Spelunky, if I'm having a particularly good run and die out of nowhere, I'm mad at the game. And I have to put it down. I have to walk away from it because things were going so well that going back to a zero state is frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that with Isaac. Like that always burns me. If I die and I was late into run, I die. I don't have the motivation to start over again. I don't. But with Hades, it's the type of game where I could do runs multiple back to back and still love it because I've made some kind of progress in in the the character. Yeah, and uh, with things like that, it definitely makes it easier. Rogue Legacy and Children of Morta both have that aspect yeah. where, especially with Children of Morta, you get skill points and talent trees and things like that. So your character just grows as you go through the game and use that character more. And it also makes you swap between characters because of, like, they get tired 
So you have to use somebody else because their stats are now affected on this run because they're they're worn out. Okay. So it makes you swap like that, but it, it keeps the gameplay fresh. They all play fairly different from each other, and there's like seven of them. And so I it, it definitely makes it easier going back into a new run when you're not starting in a zero state and you come in feeling pretty powerful right off the bat. Well, see, what Hades does to make you interested in doing future runs is a couple things. One of the neat things, though, is because you have, you know, the, the two attacks and the spells, when you're getting the upgrades from the gods, for some of them, it's only one or the other. So you have to kind of spec in a certain build for what you're doing, right? You might double down and put all your god boons into your spells, your spell casting, or you might do a mix with one god so that the the statuses and boons kind of interact a bit. So there's some comboing of abilities that is really interesting. So that can be fun. Um, but the other way is that there's multiple weapons. Um, you start with just one, a sword, right? But then you can fairly quickly unlock different weapons. You know, uh, there's a bow, claws, there's a shield, like we're talking straight out of Rygar <laughs> type of thing. And they all play <laughs> different, right? The same two attacks and a spell, but they behave differently. And the gods' boons, there's unique boons for the weapons. So they kind of encouraging multiple playthroughs that way. Yeah, I'm guessing you pick a weapon for the run. Right, exactly. And it's very important. Okay. You can't change it later on. Um, there's also something neat in the game. that One of the boons you can get, it's not really to a god. It's just a, a hammer. And the hammer has, I want to say it's a pool of five unique abilities that are specific to the weapon. And they change the weapon fairly drastically. Um, a good example is one of the weapons, stay with me here, is a gun. <laughs> it's basically a crossbow. <laughs> but it's all purposes, it's a gun. Um, it has a rapid fire shot and it also has a grenade launcher on it. If you pick up the hammer, one of the potential upgrades takes the grenade shot, which is slow, really arcing, but powerful, and makes it so it shoots into three, right? Which is cool. Another of the hammer upgrades for it takes that grenade shot and makes the, the radius huge, but then suddenly it damages Zagoras if he's in the, in the radius. So, like, subtle abilities like that can radically change the weapons, which is really cool. But then on top of that, each of the weapons has, not early on, but later on you can unlock aspects or variants of those weapons. So there's, like, a spear weapon, for example. I'm not going to give all of them away because that's part of the fun of the game, but there's a spear weapon. Yeah. And the basic one is fine. It's a spear. But you can unlock uh, a version of the spear that used to belong to Hades, right? And they tell you, this is Hades' old spear. And it has slightly different moves or feel than the base spear. Uh, there's like a charge spin attack. And with the Hades spear, the range of it is actually quite large and does extra damage. And you can kind of upgrade those using the currencies as you play. So kind of, even though you've played the game 70 hours like me, and you've probably done 50 runs or whatever it is, it can still feel different when you're picking a different weapon of aspect and specking for different boons. And that's really interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of dig on that idea. Yeah, it's a, and like, again, $20, it's, it's surprising how deep it is. I, when you first play it, the first few runs you do, and you realize, like, I've made it to the end boss now a few times. I've not beaten them, but I've made it there. Uh, and technically, there's only three worlds, I guess, or environments, and the fourth one is kind of a, a short one. So it feels like, well, there's not much here. But when you've done a few runs... There's slight variances in the enemies and the bosses that give you that replay value that is key to like a roguelike. 
I mentioned Megara. She's one of the Furies. She's the first one you see, the first boss of the first environment. But then after a few runs, you start getting your sisters. And they are palette swapped. That's why I mentioned earlier there is palette swapping here. But their moves are quite different. Um, her one sister, Tisephone, she's a bit weird. She, she calls you a murderer and all her attacks are very odd. She teleports you to different uh, rooms. She, sla- she, she does this charge attack, which is wild. They all do this energy bullet hell style attack. You have to dodge around. But each of the sisters has different variants of it. So same boss technically, but there's enough variance with the bosses that changes it up. Uh, and they do this with all of them as far as I can tell. So I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I want to say Isaac did that as well, I think, with some of the variant bosses. Same boss idea, but they change up a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a few variations, and they'll be like... It, it's basically the same boss, and it's got the same name, but it has like a modifier name attached to it or something like that. Right. Sometimes, other times, it is a different name. But yeah. So I mean, all in all, it's it's pretty solid. The only issue I guess I had with the game is... It's not, it doesn't feel difficult for the most part, but there are spikes in difficulty at the bosses. There's particularly one boss, you fight basically two heroes, uh, the Minotaur and I can't remember the guy's name. There's a dude with every weapon and a Minotaur. And they both, you have to, you have to kill both of them. <laughs> You're in a very small arena. They're cheap as all hell. <laughs> like the Minotaur is charging at you. And when if he hits you with his charge attack, it's huge damage. So you're trying to dodge him. And at the same time, other buddies shooting arrows at you or throwing a spear at you, and you're trying to dodge him, and both have, it feels like, an unfair amount of health uh, at that stage of the game. Whereas a build you may have had for the first two worlds, it was easy mode. Suddenly, when you get to the third world, you get to Elysium, and it just, you're not doing enough damage, or you're doing enough damage, but you have, you sacrificed your health, and you die really quickly. And it's, I can beat them, but it's hard. And that was a huge barrier for me when I first started playing. You get all that way, and that, that that roadblock is very tough to get through. So I don't think you specified exactly this. I'm kind of curious. Uh, does is does the game have sort of stages, or is it literally just like room to room to room to room and room and so on? Right, so it is. Or does it have more like floors? Yeah, it's kind of like floors, I guess. So there's three large floors, each with a different environment, and then there's a fourth floor, which is more more short and leads to the end boss. So it's mainly three floors that you're, you're dealing with, um, and they all have a different feel, graphics, uh, some unique enemies, although there is some overlap from what I remember. But on each floor, you are going room to room. Uh, same tile set, but the rooms are put in a random order, so that's the procedural side of it, I guess. And when mm-hmm. you beat a room, you get the, the boon from that room and you open up two to three doors and you pick one. And that, that kind of leads your path, a branching path that way. So you have a choice. You can see in the door what boon will be in that door. So if I have one room, I finish it, I get my power up, and then I can see of the two doors before me, one will give me Zeus upgrade, another one will give me a key, a key upgrade. So you pick which one. And you got to be careful because... As you unravel the mechanics of the game, I mentioned the hammers earlier, which are critical to changing your weapon. I think it's only mm-hmm. two you can get in a run. You're always guaranteed like two. So if you come across a, a branching path of the hammer and say Zeus, you may really want that Zeus. But if you give up the hammer upgrade, you're kind of gimping yourself 
So you kind of have to pick which one you want. Ah. So, and there's other ones too, like, uh, there are, there's a shop in the game. Uh, the guy who has the boat takes you to sticks. I can never his name. So he basically is the shopkeeper and he's shows up once, I think once or twice on each floor. And there's always one before the boss. So you have a choice. You can either go to the store or you can get an upgrade without having to fight any combat. And that's the boss. So sometimes that boon is like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's uh, the hammer. That's a freebie. But then you realize, well, I have 400 coins and coins go away on end of a run. So if you you spend it, you use it or you lose it. So do I want to go to the store and spend those for potential upgrades and health back? Or do I want the hammer? So sometimes the game kind of throws curves at you that way. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And I'm so does each floor have its own sort of boss or boss type or pool of bosses? Or can you get the same boss, like on not obviously not on the same run, but on multiple runs, can you get the same boss on the first level that you had on the third level or something? Yeah, so each floor has the same boss type. So for the first world, it's always going to be a Fury and whatever. Like it's always going to be Megara or one of her sisters. And I've seen two other sisters okay. at this point. Uh, the second world, it's always a Hydra. Uh, which Hydra you get, there's variants of the Bone Hydra, but you always get a Hydra. And then the third world is always, as far as I know, is those two guys, those assholes. Um, Minotaur and Theseus. Yeah, but they, they changed up a little bit, but it's always the same boss type. And that when you first play, mm. you're like, well, that's kind of lame. It's the same bosses. But the variations they do and the different weapons, so each fight with them is different, I think is kind of offsets it. It's, it's the kind of game where they're probably not going to, but I wish it would get DLC at some point, like some kind of expansion. I'd love to see them add more floors or more bosses to the pools. Um, but they historically, with their games, have not done DLC, I don't believe. But I wish they would for Hades. Yeah, I don't think they did DLC for any of them, have they? No, they, they kind of put the game out and they'll patch it. Like, they support it, um, but they don't really expand the content. They're kind of done with it after they release it, which I, I respect that. I mean, they put a game out when it's done. It's there's There's definitely something to be said for the process of designing a game to be finished instead of designing a game to add more to it. Right. <laughs> and, and that's why when I they first said early access, I was kind of worried, right? Because you never know. It, it depends on the company and how they handle their early access. But from what I what I gather from Hades, they're very smart with it. When they first released it, they're very clear that the entire game wasn't in there. It was only portions of it. They reserved certain spot parts of the gameplay for release. So there's still surprises for those who jumped on early. But then they also took a lot of feedback from the community on what worked and what didn't. So they kind of had a, a very transparent, but a very a, a good development in early access. Like the, when they did updates in early access, when I was going back looking at it, it seemed like every update was purposeful. It was changing something major with the game. And they, they did it with a lot of feedback from the community. So I think that was interesting. I didn't realize this only came out of early access in September. Yeah, it, that's what I was telling you guys before. Like this game it was in early great. access for a long time. Yes. Did you buy it while it was in early access or after? No, no, it was after. Um, like I said, I put this game out of my mind. When, I, when they first announced it, I saw it early access. I said, no, I'll wait. I'm glad I did because when I finally picked it up on the Switch, it was total surprise of how polished and solid this game was. Okay, uh, another question, Switch version specific. Does it have a lot of hiccups or any? No, you know, I mean, it's not a technically demanding game. 
right? We mentioned the, it's a 2D art I'm, style for sure. One would think Isaac isn't either, but <laughs> well, I can make that game crawl yeah. in frame rate on the Switch. So <laughs> That is true. But for what they've done here, it runs, as far as I can tell, I have not played the PC version, but on the Switch, I've noticed no issues at all. Like, it performs very well. The combat is very fluid, feels very tight. When you're zigzagging around because you're dodging a lot, avoiding monsters, attacking, it feels really good. And that was the first thing that pulled me in. Is some, some games like Rogue Legacy, I like the game, but the combat is not why I play it, right? It's it's more for the unlocking of stuff and the, the crazy powers. Hades just feels fun to play. If this wasn't a roguelike, if this was like a Diablo clone, for example... And it was just a hack and slash game. I would still love it because the combat feels good on its own. All right. Now you've got me more interested and I'm kind of curious to give this a shot. But I, I am also seeing that it's $25. I might wait for a sale. Well, the thing with Supergiant Games is they go on sale all the time. They're always good for that. <laughs> I think I paid $3 for Transistor. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, that's not to say I don't think it's worth $25. That's just to say that I have so many games on my plate already that it would be unwise on my part to drop $25 on it right now. Like when I, <laughs> when I first saw it, I'm like, well, I'm like, okay, I could pay, you know, full price game right now, but yeah, let's go with the cheaper game for now. I'm sure I'll only get 12 hours of it, but that's okay. 20 bucks for 12 hours is okay. And then little did I know, I dump, you know, dozens and dozens of hours into this fantastic game. It's it's a solid game. It's like I want to do an episode on this because it may end up being my game of the year, depending. I still have a few other ones on my plate, like Yakuza and um, Cyberpunk, to play this year. But I, I'm leaning toward Hades. Oh, that's right. You were gonna play Yakuza Seven, right? Yeah, and I did start it, but I, I haven't finished it yet. But Hades is the price, the style, the music. It's and the surprise of how good it is, and uh, like the Game Awards. I mean, people are poking fun that it's the same four games on there, and that's fine. But Hades is worthy of that praise. It's going to steal a number of those awards, I think, this year. And I think it's well-deserved. It's it's a great game. Well, you've got my interest peaked now. That's for sure. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to do a little bit more uh, personal research on this one and maybe keep an eye out at, uh, for it on my wish list or something. It's totally a game where, when there's a Steam sale, keep an eye out for it. I mean, I recommend it at a full price, right? But even if, but even that's not it, on sale, totally worth it. One more curiosity: is the music anything of note, or does it just fit the game really well? Oh yeah, like the the composer for Supergiant Games, Darren Korb, is he's fantastic. Every game he's done for that studio, and I think he's done all of them, uh, is very unique, has a different style to it. This game has a Mediterranean, Middle Eastern style, but with extra guitar on it. But I mean, that's, if you ask me, the best part of Transistor and Bastion, it's, it's always going to probably be the music, right? Uh, he pairs up with Ashley Burnett for a bunch of tracks where she does the vocals. And every one of those songs is something special, right? Um, it's the same with Hades. Like, I, I, I've not finished a game, but I still listen to the soundtrack on YouTube, and the end credit song is fantastic. Um, like it's it's style is definitely a thing for this game and music is part of it for sure. All right, and the voice acting is good. So yes, in that there's a lot of it. <laughs> is so, that a question? Well, the problem here is that um, it's an indie studio, so they they actually used a yeah. lot of their own staff for the voices. 
not necessarily a bad thing. Um, actually, the composer, Darren Korb, actually actually voices, I think, at least three of the characters. There's like a, a skeleton dummy you beat up on. He voices that. Uh, he voices, is it Hades as well? I think he voices. I could be wrong. But he does also Zagoras, the main character. And he's an American, but Zagoras is like, he, he gives like a, a British-y accent on it. It's not bad, but it's you can tell it's a fake British accent <laughs> type of mm. thing. But it's it's more like in the, the delivery. Most of the characters are, are quite good, like uh, Fratbro, uh, Dionysus there as well is really good. Poseidon, I like a lot. Zeus is really well done. Um, but then some like Hermes, right? Like it's it's what you expect. He talks very fast. Aphrodite, very flirty. Um, so that's kind of like yeah. But I mean something like. Um, Eurydice and uh, Orpheus, right? They have, they, it's it's interesting and unique. I like it. It's not the, my favorite part of the game, but the fact that there's so much of it and there's very little repeating dialogue, I think is what makes the game really good. All right. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye out for then. I think there's a Steam sale coming up, isn't there? <laughs> well. Well, by the time this airs, it might have passed, but there, there'll definitely be the... the the holiday one coming up before this airs so yeah it's black to me the black friday sales probably this week but by the time people are listening to this i'm sure there's a steam winter sale of some kind yeah it probably announced or leaked and will be out in three weeks or two weeks <laughs> or something yeah all right well tell people where they can find you wolf uh you can find me on twitch and twitter at w-a-r-e-w-u-l-f-f it's great because you're streaming again I've been watching you. Well, if anybody from work is listening, I'm working hard, but I have Wolf in the background. <laughs> you lurk. Yeah, I lurk. That's what I do. It's possible to lurk and listen and throw the odd shade. <laughs> All right. And well, I'm Sick Jake. I'm once in a while on Twitch, but I'm mostly on Twitter. S-I-C-J-A-K-E. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Last Ancient on Spotify or The Last Ancient on Bandcamp. For more episodes, please visit our website at pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to Cancel. Thank you.